Hey everybody, this is Diane. And this is Kate. Welcome to Artwise. Alright, so today on the podcast, we have a guest. Woo! Uh, she's a figure painter. Yeah, woo woo <laughs> Okay. <laughs> she's a figure painter, uh, and her name is Jennifer Carmiel. Uh, so everyone, welcome, welcome Jennifer. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, here I am. I'm, I'm here. We're out here here <laughs> yeah for sure yeah um I don't know if I'm supposed to introduce myself um yeah I go ahead yeah okay okay cool yeah so um I'm Jen Carmiel um my full name is Jennifer most people call me Jen if we're close like that you know wink wink but I'm kidding <laughs> <laughs> but nah um so I am a figure painter primarily I usually introduce myself by saying I'm an artist and a figure painter because I believe the word artist to be like so much more encapsulating than the word painter, because even though painting is what I focus on, I also dabble in like photography and film art a little bit. Um, but yeah, so painting is what I do primarily, and it's what I enjoy the most, um, what I find the most fulfilling. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Yeah. Okay, so uh, Jennifer, uh, what inspired you to go into a creative field? So let's see. I actually, I remember writing about this for a class. It was called Real World. And so like we had to go through and like um, write about what inspired us. And honestly, I can just remember, I, I'm sure you get this every single artist you ask, but I just remember drawing and painting from the very beginning of my life. And um, it's always been the thing that brought me the most fulfillment. And I remember whenever I started university, actually, I started as a political science major. It was because I really liked oh. government class. Yeah, yeah. I, I dabbled in a bunch of other things, like, before I actually found art to be what I actually really wanted to do. Um, yeah, and so I started as a poli-sci major. I started, and I didn't hate the classes. I, I liked them. They were fun. But it was sort of like, that's where it ended. It was just like, this is this is fun, and it's good. But it was it wasn't everything. It, I didn't feel fulfilled doing it. And I remember I just like went home during winter break, my first semester of college. And then like my room from whenever I was in high school was like a complete like artistic, like, like explosion. Like there was paint everywhere. There's canvases, all of my old art projects that I had forgotten whenever I moved into my dorm for college. And I remember just taking out a canvas and like the second my pencil hit the paper, I just felt this like rush of like, I love this. And I like, I, I get like, I couldn't not do it. So like, I went back to um, school and I just switched my major to art. Like I just, I, I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's really interesting that that's something you, you left and then kind of came back to. <laughs> yeah, I know. I remember there being this break in my, um in, in my process where during that first semester of college when I wasn't really drawing or painting as much. And there was a lot of other things going on in my life then too, that was also like really draining for me. And like, like art really provided that solace for me. Like I, I can't imagine my life without it. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's something that a lot of artists go through just because of the way that the field is, is viewed. Um, I just feel like a lot of people don't, uh, respect it and so it's not 
uh, the first thing that comes to mind for a lot of artists, like, uh, when they're looking for a career, like, I, I feel so bad because I, I have so many friends who I had, you know, high school art classes with who I'm like, oh, you're so talented at this. Like, really, you should do this for the rest of your life. And they're just kind of like, oh, well, my mom wants me to be a lawyer. So, you know, I guess yeah. I'll do that. And it's like, oh, man, that's so sad. I know um, it's definitely something that like a lot of people don't realize that art's an actual job and it's like I can't tell you like because I've worked um as a like a full-time employee at like a photography company before and I've also I do um sell my work like like freelancing or just otherwise and it's like crazy like how I'll meet like a new person and I remember one time I was I was actually at the swing dance expo type thing and so I was dancing with someone and they're like they're doing the typical small talk and they're like oh so what do you do and then I'm like I'm a photographer because like I was on someone's payroll as a photographer like it was a hourly <laughs> wage type thing and then they're like oh that's nice. At least you do what you like. And I'm like, bro, it's like, I'm not joking. Like I get paid for this. It's how I make my living. What are you doing? Yeah. Like it's a real, it's, it's a lot of work and a lot of training to like get to that step too. It's like, this is like what I do. This is a real thing and you can make money from it. And it's a skill that not everyone has that. Yeah. Some people just don't take it seriously. It's definitely frustrating. Because I, I get that all the time, too. When I tell people I'm a graphic designer, they're like, oh, do you like it? <laughs> it's just like, yeah. I mean, what are you doing that you hate? Like, <laughs> I would rather be making a little bit less money doing something I like than, you know, something that makes me miserable every single day. Um, uh, so do you feel like you have uh, a lot of uh, support uh, going into the art industry? Let's see. Go When I first started going into it, I sort of like had a neutral support, I guess. Like no one like told me I'm going to fail, but no one told me to go for it. Like I could definitely feel the subliminal because I was spitting out ideas like maybe I should do political science. Maybe I should do computer science. Maybe I should do this or that or teaching or whatever. And I could definitely feel the subliminal do political science or do computer programming. Like I could feel them telling me to do that, even though they didn't outrightly like ever negate my passion for art I could feel they wanted me to do something else but um ever since I really like like forgot anything else that anyone else wanted to say and like like focused on myself for whatever I wanted to do that's whenever I started to see the see the results and then when other people see the results then they get on board too so I do feel pretty supported currently that's good yeah yeah so um, from your Instagram, I know that you're also interested in like mental health and psychology. Um, have you ever thought of maybe like combining the two for a career or are you just going to primarily focus on painting and that's like what you're set on doing is, is the like figure paintings? Oh, I mean, definitely my figure paintings tie in with mental health and psychology. Like um, right now, so... I have two completed bodies of work. Um, one was called Get On Your Phone. The second one was called Body Is Form. Um, and the third one that I'm working on that's slightly transitioning into a fourth body of work. Um, the third one was called Dis Dissociation, which is um, feeling like you're not in your body or feeling the split in reality. And so um, there are a bunch of these figure paintings of faith faceless figures, defaced figures, or um, just faces themselves on canvases, but you won't see the face on the body together on a single canvas. And a lot of them are these isolated figures, and they're supposed to be like these um, kind of 
androgynous, anonymous kind of people that um, anyone can relate to sort of as a mirror. And so how mental health ties in with my work is it's like, you're supposed to be able to look at these paintings as a mirror and try to feel more um, grounded in yourself or feel feel those like repressed desires or feel fears that you may have like felt sometime in your life. It sh- you should feel that represented when you look at it. Wow, that's really cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. Would you say you're mostly inspired by, like, that's your main inspiration is mental health and psychology? Um, I mean, definitely that's a big one. I would also say that just, like, um, personal experiences is a huge inspiration. I believe, like, I'm, like, I'm inspired a lot by, like, um, the expressionist movement in, like, the 1900s-ish. So, ish, mm-hmm. I thought so, like, ooh, I know what I'm talking <laughs> about, right? But, yeah, the expressionist movement is, like, um, the artist as this person who sort of has, like, an agency and a compulsion to throw whatever's inside of them outside onto a canvas. And so I definitely feel like that's where a lot of that comes from. So not necessarily, like, I'm looking at it clinically, like, I sit down and I study, but it's more like I express my inner world onto a canvas, and that just happens to relate to mental health and psychology. So um, one question that I have, and and this is kind of a broad question, um, but uh, me and Diane have noticed uh, that you have a drastically different uh, tastes in in artwork <laughs> than me and me and Diane have. Yeah. Um. So I've noticed that. Okay. So our taste is definitely more commercial artwork. Uh, mm-hmm. I know we both. Um. I'm just I'm sorry. I'm not trying to speak for you, Diane. No. I really okay. like. <laughs> I really like uh comic books. I know me and Diane follow a lot of the same artists who, um, make a lot of like comics, very stylized, like cartoony commercial type stuff. I don't know if you wanted to add to that Diane no um, yeah you're on the you're on the nose <laughs> yeah that's the kind of stuff that we like and just based on things that, that you share on your account and stuff like that um yours is is very more like fine artsy type like paintings um how how do you think that you like derived that taste um is there anything that you think has made you like that kind of art more than the more commercial stuff um, yeah, I definitely, there's a couple things that come to mind. For one thing, um, it has to do with my education and my schooling. Um, the school that I go to right now, University of South Florida, is a contemporary art school. And so they do really push that um, fine art side of things. And so like, that's a lot of where the education surrounds it. And I believe that we have a lot of really lovely, talented, and like really professional professors there who can teach it very well like I remember I specifically had a 20th century art history class that I was absolutely in love with like the teacher was hardcore and they knew what they were talking about and they really made it really applicable to whatever we were working with and um so that's one thing that has to do with it is just my education surrounds it the school that I go to is centered around contemporary art art today um another thing is um part of me, and this is more just like um, a theory type thing. I remember whenever I was first getting into art, I was interested in more commercial kind of graphic art. Um, And somehow I just drifted away from that. I like, I refined myself and I kept working and I kept working. And 
eventually, like, I don't know, I hit, I hit a block where I was just kind of like, for me personally, it felt kind of straightforward. It didn't feel challenging enough for me. Whereas um, where I'm working right now, which is somewhere between abstraction and representation, like, I feel like there is, you're like teetering on this, like really risky edge of like trying to push it towards abstraction and then pull it back towards representation. And it's just like this like tug of war that like you can never quite win. And it's like that, that kind of battle that really like excites me a lot. So That's really cool. <laughs> yeah, that's super interesting. So do you think that um that this is kind of another weird question but i just thought of it as as you were talking about it do you think that um like drifting uh away from commercial art has like helped prevent things like art block and uh, among like other things that a lot of artists kind of go through an experience where they feel like they can't really create or definitely not you definitely still have art block <laughs> no it's totally a thing <laughs> Um, I'm trying to think because sometimes whenever I feel myself drifting into that art block, it's usually because I'm pushing too much towards abstraction because like um, I, I tend to get stuck in my head and then I start like just making random figures. But um, one thing I do in my practice is I always try to work from life, either from a photograph, from a mirror or from a model. I do I paint from life a lot. So um, I find whenever I'm not doing that is whenever I start to get caught in this loop of like the same thing over and over. Yeah, life is definitely the way to go. Whenever mm -hmm. any like like artists that are just starting out ask me, I'm like, do not just like copy other <laughs> art. Just just paint from life, draw from life. Mm -hmm. That is the way to to improve, mm -hmm. in in my opinion. Definitely. So that's I agree. that's really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have a question. Uh, what does your creative process look like? So um, my creative process is a balance between like studying. So like I'll sit and I'll draw exactly what I see some days and I'll mm -hmm. basically build up like my my mind's library of knowledge to pick from whenever I'm working. So it's like a balance of that, like studious kind of um, sit down and study work. And then there's also like the impulsive side, which is like just flat out create stuff like like just mess around and make mistakes and like grab anything that you're not supposed to mess with and mess with it anyway. Um, yeah. So it's this like balance between like trying to rein yourself in from making too many risky moves and then allowing yourself the freedom to make those moves in the first place. Do you do thumbnails and stuff for your paintings? Or um, sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. A lot of times I do, like, um, recently I've been drawing, like, the same figure over and over, and I'm going to make it into a larger painting, like, hopefully tomorrow. I have a model coming in, so I'm like, yay. Um, but yeah, <laughs> so a lot of times um, I like to work um, just spontaneously and just making the painting on a whim, but um, a lot of times I do, like, especially if I have a live model, I'll do a, a couple thumbnails before I go onto the canvas. Oh, that's okay. interesting. Yeah. Normally, like, when you have a lot... Well, I don't know. We 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 took a figure drawing class together, me and Diane did, and, like... <laughs> many, many years ago. <laughs> many, many... Well, three. Three? <laughs> it feels three like a long time ago. <laughs> it feels like ten years ago, but it was... Realistically, it was only, like, three years ago. Yeah. Um, there is, like, no planning gone into that. Do Does um, University of South Florida, do do they do, um, like, nude figure drawing classes? Like, how how is the school there with the in terms of art education? Yeah, I definitely did take a figure drawing class. It was the most, like, 
rewarding class I ever could have taken, honestly. Like, I, I remember telling the professor, I'm like, I wish I had this class, like, every single semester. Like, it's that important. Because literally the only, it was, like, three hours long. So you just show up, you have your sketch pad, and you just draw the figure over and over. So it's like the teacher will be walking around, might give you some pointers, but for the most part, it's self-directed. So I'm with you. I freaking love figure drawing especially like just the like going for hours I freaking love it <laughs> yes it was my favorite I I also felt like it was the most useful of, of any art class I've ever taken uh the figure drawing classes definitely helped me improve the fastest and like they helped immensely with my anatomy mm-hmm. um at the time that I took that class it even helps with just perception of like being able to throw down on paper what you're seeing. Like it just, it mm-hmm. helps so much and I freaking love it. <laughs> yeah, I would definitely recommend it to anybody that's trying to improve their art or become an artist. That is like the most important thing is to, at, at some point you need to experience like a nude figure drawing mm-hmm. class because they are the best. <laughs> yeah, I definitely agree. <laughs> Is there uh, any other classes at um, your college that you think um, are like essential that are like helped you like more than like your average art class would? Oh, definitely. Like, for instance, I I have a major in studio art and a concentration in painting, which means that I have to go through all the other art classes that anyone in the major takes. So I've taken sculpture and I've taken photography and I've taken film and I've taken all these other classes like concepts and practices of art, like all these other things that don't directly relate to painting. And it's actually like done so much to help me in painting, like sculpture specifically. Like I remember before I took sculpture, I was just like, I was messing around a lot with color and that's really great and all, but like, I definitely lacked good structure whenever I painted things. And so whenever I was flung into sculpture class, which I absolutely did not want to take, I was like forced to confront that. Like I had a serious weakness in form and structure. And then so suddenly when color is taken away and all you have is like wood and metal in front of you, like, what are you going to do with it? Like it, it really made my mind work in a different way that I didn't really like think in before. And then the same thing happened with like photography. Like, I didn't see light the same way after I took that class. Like just because you had to study the theory of what makes what makes the camera pick up that light and like how you can manipulate light to make the figure appear in the camera lens. And then I'm able to apply that to painting as well because like before I took photography, my painting instructors would say all the time, like I'm not painting light very well. And like, I didn't realize like what he meant until I took photography, so. It's definitely like broadened my horizon of painting by taking other disciplines. Yeah, I've definitely, I've heard that from so many people um, that sculpture, like, it doesn't really seem like it would be as helpful as it is, but I've heard from so many people, uh, especially people that are at um, like art schools specifically where uh, they force you to take like a whole bunch of, of sculpture classes in order to get your degree, that it's just like, it's just very uh, helpful. So that that's really interesting that you brought that up. What kind of art projects interest and excite you the most? Um, let's see. When it comes to me making stuff personally, I mean, I'm always drawn to figure paintings no matter what. But um, mm-hmm. anytime I can see any kind of artwork where there's like real energy in there, like that's what really excites me. Like 
I really love whenever I can see like the the artist's hand in the work. So like whenever there are splatters or any kind of like impression of like gravity or something that's been happening in the work where you can infer how the artist made the mark, that mm-hmm. always excites me a lot. I really love that. I also like um like crossing over of disciplines. So like um anytime there's like an overlap. I remember I went to Art Basel last year and there's this painting like where you put on headphones and like you listen to some audio while you were watching it and I'm like that's pretty cool. It's really fun. I also really love like video art. So video art really inspires me too. Cool. Yeah. I love like that that multimedia type art. That's mm-hmm. super cool. <laughs> this is a little bit off topic and like not related to this interview at all. But have you ever <laughs> seen the show Work of Art that Bravo did like 10-ish years ago? I have not, but it sounds cool. You should watch it. I think you would really enjoy it based on what you've been talking about it's uh <laughs> it's this um for anyone who's who's interested in watching it, it it is my one of my favorite uh like competition shows of all time uh it is like a fine arts um kind of reality competition show where they bring in a bunch of uh different types of artists so like they have video artists they have painters they have like people who focus on sculpture, like a bunch of people. And then they just like have a new prompt every week where they all compete. Uh, but the show got canceled because all the judges disagreed with each other. <laughs> That's so funny. It's so yeah. accurate to how the art world is because <laughs> yeah. all the judges like w- liked different people and it was so drastic that they just had to cancel the entire show. Well, yeah, how can you compare? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, they should have like different categories you can go into, you know, that way all the judges will like the art in their category. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit too, too broad to work. And I think that was what the main issue was. But I, I just think <laughs> that you would enjoy it. The whole thing, <laughs> the whole show is on YouTube in separate parts. That's oh, the cool. only place I've been able to find it. But it, it there, it was only on for two seasons before it got canceled, but it was, it was, it's, yeah, one of my favorite shows growing up. It came out in like, cool. I think 2010, I think. But yeah, it's called Work of Art, and Bravo was the one who, um, like, showed it. Not related, but I, I just think <laughs> you'd enjoy it. So I thought I'd bring it up. And anybody who watches, um, or listens to this podcast would also probably enjoy it because it's just a lot of, uh, art stuff (laughs) so yeah so I think now would be a good time to bring up uh you're a fan of Picasso (laughs) um yeah I find his work um pretty inspirational that's interesting because we hate him (laughs) so (laughs) no shade no shade against you or anything we just don't we don't like him so uh I know we've we've talked like personally about this before but you actually like firmly believe in separating the art from the artist um what kind of led you to that like conclusion in in your head so as an artist myself um a goal for me is that whenever I make something and I put it out there I want it to be able to speak for itself So I don't want to have to follow around it like a puppy dog and be like, oh, here's how you should interpret it. Listen to me talk about it. Like, I feel like it should be able, it should have the strength and the grounds to be like, this is who I am and this is what I mean. Um, And I should be able to communicate that clearly. Otherwise, I'm failing as an artist. Like, that's what I'm here for. I'm supposed to be here to communicate. Um, Alternatively, I've also made things where people got different messages from them and I'm okay with that. 
I find that the work transforms as it sort of leaves you and then it becomes its own entity. So that's how I came to that conclusion of like separating the artist from the artwork because I believe in that for myself. That's really interesting. You might you might have uh, brought me to the dark side. <laughs> dark <laughs> <I> side? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, that's really, yeah, that convinced me. I mean. <laughs> no, that's a really solid point. I just, like, speaking on Picasso in, in general, because Picasso was our first episode. It's easily, like, our most popular episode that we have on the podcast. It has double the amount of plays and downloads as any other episode. Um, and it's, yeah. <laughs> I, um, in the episode, I kind of go into more detail why I don't like him. Mm-hmm. Um, I am just personally that style of work I don't, I don't like. And um, I like his blue period, but that's about yeah, it. Yeah, <laughs> His blue period's good. And like the rose period's okay too. Uh, okay. <laughs> I like the blue period the best, though. Like, I, I don't know. I, I have an odd taste. <laughs> but um, Picasso's style doesn't, like, necessarily, like, resonate with me. And I definitely agree with the points that you made that the art should be able to stand on its own. And it should be its own entity. Um, but I also, like, it's very apparent that Picasso's works, especially um, The Weeping Woman... Uh, are derived from and if you know the background if you don't know the background then I I guess it doesn't apply um but if you are like aware of Picasso's background and um the weeping woman how it was based off of Doromar uh it just becomes kind of apparent that uh he made this work out of kind of this like abuse towards Dora that's just kind of really sad and yeah I just wanted to know like I, I it's hard for me to separate it when I know you know and a lot of people know because you know Francois wrote the book and then they made the movie Surviving Picasso off of her book and like she's obviously a reliable source because she knew him in life and she had multiple children with him and I am just kind of wondering, like, once you do know what the intent of the work is, how can you separate it is kind of my my question. Yeah, so um, I'll start off by saying I didn't, I don't know much about um, him as a person. I know the general gist of, like, him being a misogynist and all those kinds of things, like, that people say, like, as a vague idea, but I don't know too much of the nitty-gritty details. Um, that said, um, I feel like it's going to be very difficult to enjoy anything in history if you're just like looking at everyone's history in their lives and trying to find the heroes amongst the characters they were. Um, I feel like with the way that times were in the past, that's just going to make it really hard to enjoy anything. So I think that's, it's part of survival, just trying to separate the art from the artist because like, Nowadays, you can hold people to that standard, but back then, it's like, it's hard just because almost everyone was like that. And then it's like, if you're going to veto all of these people, it's like, what are you allowed to enjoy? It's just, it's just this rabbit hole you'll jump down. Um, so that's one thing. Another thing is, how can you separate the art from the artist knowing they were a bad person? Um, my response to that is just that he's 
if we're talking specifically to Picasso, he's dead. He's not um, gain. I, I, I'd hate to like say things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I can answer this adequately, um, in a way that won't like villainize me later. <laughs> but, no, you're um, all good. You made a fair point though. Yeah. Just, yeah. That's history solid. finding like the most innocent mm-hmm. of people. Yeah. That's a fair point. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, definitely a solid point. Um, for sure. Mm-hmm. I will say, um, you know, Picasso, a lot of people really loved him as a person. Um, oh, yeah, that's that's bad. Yeah. No, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, a lot of people thought that he was great. And, you know, a lot of people thought that he was not great. And it's just it's it definitely can be hard at times. I had a couple of people after that episode came out kind of tell me that literally everything I said was a hoax, which I'm not quite mm. sure how it would be when it, it was all um, I cited the book in mm-hmm. in the podcasts that was written that I pulled it from and it was written by Francois who had two children with him so it, it yeah. was for, based off of a firsthand um, one thing, thing so. for one thing for me at least is I don't know if I find it helpful to be digging up the past whenever like the only thing he's left is his legacy in art and yeah I can understand why it's not great to be like lifting his legacy up continually but it's not like I feel like you have to take a critical stance at it because there's always going to be problematic people in history. So you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt. Like he was a magnificent painter, like at least like I would say he's an incredible painter who made incredible innovations in the field. And he worked, he made so many paintings, so many things like it's incredible the work that he did, but he was a bad person and bad people can sometimes be capable of creating kind of cool things and yeah, it sucks, but the world's not black and white. And so you have to like learn the history of it and learn what they have to give and what they contributed to the history timeline while also maintaining that he was a misogynist, he was an abuser, he was all these bad things. And we can't discount like his bad character, even though we're taking his work to be pretty good, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's definitely a solid point. Um, I was just kind of wondering... You know, mm-hmm. I, I always like to hear if I if I kind of sort of disagree with like someone's opinion, I like to hear their side because I'm I like to think of myself as open minded and you might have swayed me and Diane. And into, <laughs> you definitely swayed the- me a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely more in the middle on it now for sure. Um, won't change the fact that I personally don't resonate with with Picasso's art that's totally fine (laughs) but I will never argue that he wasn't a great artist because he definitely was and he really helped and affected a lot of people uh throughout the duration of his life and even after and um you know he uh the the two number one most expensive art pieces were were both his and you know he was definitely like great I just wanted to bring it up because I know we talked a little bit about how you're a fan and I was like how I mean, I wouldn't say that I'm like a fan of Picasso because I always like to attach his work to it. I'm like, I'm a fan of his work. I think his work's pretty cool, but I would never like say, oh, I love Picasso. Like as a human, like, <laughs> no, never, no. Because <laughs> it's also like pretty gross, all the stuff he did about primitivism, like how the entire art world like hated, I'm going to, I'm going to like speak recklessly because I don't know a hundred percent on the research on this, but I know that he like um, popularized primitivism because like he was really inspired by like African culture and stuff, but he like appropriated all of that stuff and like made it popular and whitewashed it and everything. So like the actual creators of these like actual, 
icons and graphic and, and like icon iconography like they didn't get the credit for it only this white dude did like that's that's so screwed up i'm like bro oh what oh man i didn't yeah. know about that we might have to do part two <laughs> thankfully i just focused on his relationships and that took up like 45 uh, minutes of us just talking but oh, like, there's there's so much there's, there's so a lot much yeah there's a lot yeah there's a lot on picasso <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> he was a guy. <laughs> he was a guy. Um, like, how do you how do you navigate the art world? Like, how do you network? Do you have any tips for networking? Yeah. So, um, I would say definitely start with the people you know. The people who are going to buy your art, like you, you're gonna have this idea in your head, or at least I did, that they're gonna be this like mystical otherworldly force <laughs> that just kind of comes into your life and randomly wants to spend hundreds of dollars on your art, and it's like <laughs> that's not, it's not how it works. Like, mm-hmm. I honestly, um, just be visible. Like, if you're on social media and you're posting regularly, like something about, um, so one thing about being an artist, specifically like a painter or a fine artist is that people, whenever they buy your art, they're investing in it and you are the investment. And whenever they want to buy it, they want to know that you're going to keep making stuff because what makes your work important is that you have a large body of work that's ongoing because the artist is like, is the adventure. They're the content creator. So like, if you randomly make like a couple paintings and then you stop there, your art's not that valuable. But if you make paintings for like 30 years, then you're incredibly valuable. So whenever people are investing in artwork and they're buying your artwork among the first years, they're like buying it under the hints that you're going to be making it for a lot of years. So you got to give them that impression. You got to give them the impression that you're serious about art making, you're continually making it and you're not going to give up on it and definitely start with the people closest to you. Cool. Yeah. That is super interesting. I've never heard anyone say that, but that <laughs> that's really interesting. I personally, and I, I mean, I, Diane, have you sold any like paintings before, like fine arts type stuff? Um, I haven't really sold any like fine art stuff. I do a lot of commissions and like that type of thing, but never really like sold any like big pieces of art, you know? Yeah, that's the same for me. So, like, lately, um, actually, that's not true. Uh, it's funny that you say that, like, they're not, like, usually going to be, like, a mystical person who comes out of nowhere and wants to spend hundreds of dollars on your art. Because <laughs> I had that happen to me once. It what? was insane. What's I had that happen. Tell me. <laughs> it only happened once, and it was, like, such a freak thing. I got a DM <laughs> on Twitter. Do I have any art on my Twitter? I have four pieces on my Twitter. That's it. I rarely <laughs> use Twitter for my art. So I got a random DM on Twitter from this guy. No clue who he was. Still don't really know who he is. We talk from time to time. But randomly, he was like, so you're an artist. He DMs me. He's like, so you're an artist. And I was like, yeah, sometimes. And uh, <laughs> And he was like... Uh, so listen, I got this idea. Would you be able to draw it? Like, hypothetically, hypothetically. I think I remember that. Maybe like, yeah, like it was so weird out of nowhere. He was like I nine by 12, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah, it was so weird. That's why I tell people about it all the time. Cause I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is so weird. Cause normally I, I will get a lot of DMs on Instagram where people will be like, wow, you're so talented. How much for this? And then I tell them and they just don't respond. Yeah. <laughs> um, like, but, um, <laughs> but this guy was like, I want this piece. Uh, you know, how, how much, how much uh, for that? 
And I was just like, well, it depends, like, you know, what medium did you want? What material did you want me to make it on? It depends on that kind of stuff because that, you know, I have to put money into it if I'm going to buy a canvas or if I'm going to buy materials to make it. Uh, so that will kind of affect the price. And, you know, he kind of like we talked it out and I was he was kind of like, well, what do you think would look good? And I was like, charcoal for sure. Um, definitely. And uh, we talked it out and like he randomly dropped like 200 bucks for me to just like paint this like tiny little <laughs> nine nine by 12 little like painting. Oh my gosh. Man, wow. that was insane. I remember <laughs> shipping it and thinking I never thought in a million years that that would happen. Because normally people who DM me, I tell them like my price and I don't even like personally, I don't even think it's that high. Wow. I am a professional artist. I get paid to do art. Uh, granted, I'm, I'm a graphic designer at my nine to five, but I consider myself to be a professional because I've been doing it for so long and I get paid to create art. So um, I like to price myself at like what I think like I value my art at and how much time it's going to take me and how much materials and like what I think is is fair. True. And yeah, and I'm so used to just people just being like, no or just not responding <laughs> yeah. more yeah. used to people just asking how much it's going to cost and then just completely flat out ghosting me instead of you know oh and by the way the proper thing that you should do if you're looking to commission an artist and they tell you a price that's too high is to respond to them and say i can't really uh that's not really my budget right now I, i'm sorry i can't really afford that but you know maybe some other time and then maybe they might have a deal for you or they might have a solution that could exactly. make it cost less. It's just, it's so rude to just not answer once they tell you that their price is so high because yeah. there are definitely ways to get it lower. Um, it just depends on what you're getting, what you're asking for. And like, definitely like on the artist side, like if you ever, if you're like new to like trying to make art sales and stuff, like whenever you have someone come into your DMs or you're asking and they're like, what do you charge for your art? My recommendation is to make it into a conversation. So like, they're like, what's your price for whatever? And you're like, oh, that sounds like a cool project. It it depends based on these different things. Well, what what kind of space are you looking to decorate? What kind of colors do you like? Have you seen my feed? What, do you, what are you interested in most? And like, get them talking about themselves and like what they're actually looking at. Because the more they envision it, one, the more they're going to want it. And then two, like um, the least likely that they're going to ghost you because they've already started talking to you. They, you kind of know that they're there. And then um, by the time you get to the price, they're already kind of invested in what they're talking about. So they're more likely to like respond on it. And then also make clear, like if they're, if you're like, this I'm going to charge $280 for this. Um, that's just because of the size. Um, if you would like, if that's out of your budget, we can talk then. I can do it smaller. You can do it on paper instead of canvas. Like, come up with solutions and stuff, so. That was a really good tip. <laughs> yeah, get them talking yeah, about it. Yeah, for sure. Especially if they don't really know what they want. I've had so mm -hmm. many people. I had this one guy DM me, and my commissions um, are closed currently, and they've been closed for a while, and I... Don't know when I'm gonna open them. Uh, as of right now, I don't really have time. But um, I had someone DM me uh, asking for pricing, and I was like, "My commissions are closed. Um, I can refer you to another artist if you want. I have a lot of friends who are super talented." Um, and he was like, "No, I just really like your style." And I was like, "Well, could you let me know like what you would be interested in, and I can let you know if like I have some time 
opening up to do it. He was like, nothing specific. I just wanted you to draw me something. I like your style. That's it. And I was just like, <laughs> uh, normally when people want a piece, they have something in mind. So I just, it, it, you get all kinds of interesting, weird things. Do you ever have situations like that where the person just kind of wants some of your art just because they like it and they have no clue why or and there's no like rhyme or reason I mean most of the time like most of the sales that I've made so far I should I should say all the sales I've made so far are people close to me or friends of friends so they're people who follow me and who see my feed frequently and they usually ask me for advice so and actually I usually guide them through it so I'm like what if, what do you like in general? Like I make it into a conversation and then I'm, I basically at the end of the conversation, I'm like, I'll send you a couple images of stuff that I think you might like. And then they choose one of them and I'll send them a couple more. And it's just like a sending back and forth thing. So I actually like, I'm pretty decent at being able to gauge where someone's interests lie. Like, I think it's pretty fun. It's like a game for me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Do you ever, um, do you ever do like digital art? ever or are you mostly primarily traditional um a few years ago I was really into digital art and stuff and like over the quarantine I got like this job offer to do like um illustrations for this person's website and stuff like digital graphics and things um it's not my cup of tea it's like it's okay it's fun but um it, it that's again like kind of where it ends like it's not something that gets me fired up it's just kind of something that I'm able to do if I need to yeah that's cool Mm -hmm. Oh, man. I wish that was me. Okay. <laughs> no, man. I was just telling Diane earlier, and I, I think in an, in an episode that will come out after this one as well, we were just talking about this, but um, I can't do traditional art anymore. My brain is, oh, is broken for it. I definitely feel that. Like, I was, like, back, like, I did so much digital art in high school. Like, I did so, so much of it. At the point, like, I'd get a piece of paper and I'd do the whole pinch thing on the paper. And I'm just, <laughs> I can't zoom in. This doesn't, this isn't how it works. <laughs> That's exactly what I just said to Diane. This will, this episode is probably going to be out uh, the following Wednesday after this one. But, yeah, yeah. Uh... <laughs> I'll do the hotkeys. I'll do like the control Z and then I'm like my brain is waiting for the line to like undo itself that I just drew and then I go wait no. <laughs> oh my god. And uh yeah, I hope I I hope that I need to just yeah, I need to maybe I'll do some Inktober stuff and hopefully I'll mm -hmm. pull myself yeah. out of that cuz just digital art especially when it's your job, your your 9 to 5 and it's all you do all day, it's like, it's hard to pull yourself out of the mindset of I can just undo anything that I screw up with the press of a button, or I can just zoom in on whatever I'm doing with, you know, the pinch of a screen. <laughs> yeah, I've been drawn to like more like abstract expressionist art lately. I watched like this PBS like video, it was called um, I think it was called The Case for Abstraction. And it went into, like... Because a lot of people, like, look at abstraction and they're like, oh, like, it's just Jackson Pollock. It's just, like, paint splattering on a canvas. There's nothing there. But it was, like, a really interesting video that I watched about it. But I've been drawn to that more lately. So, I don't know. Nice. I would love to see it. That sounds really fun. Do you know where, like, you can go online to see it? Uh, the video? The Case for Abstraction, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's just on YouTube. I think... I mean, I could send you a link if you want. <laughs> we'll go ahead and uh, we'll put a link in the description of the episode so anyone who wants to watch that can 
go ahead yeah, and do that. It was really interesting. <laughs> <laughs> so I heard you're you're working on a thesis work. So how what what's going on with that? How's how's that going? Yeah, so um, I am in my last semester at USF. So that means I have advanced painting in my thesis class, and those are the last two I have. So advanced painting is the work that I'm making for thesis, which is the writing about the painting. So they kind of go hand in hand. But um, yeah, so I am pretty much just making paintings and writing about kind of what I'm making. Um, I have to put it in sort of a historical context, like in the broad scheme of fine art, where does my artwork lie? Um, what is it responding to? Because all art is a response to something that comes before it. Um, and like, I'm supposed to be like defending my choices in art. Like I've received some criticism for like my weird use of like, um, drawing and painting. Cause it's like, it's sometimes it's like a little bit dissonant and stuff, but, um, trying to find that harmony between making this drawing, like, which on, if you don't know, I do charcoal on oil paint a lot of times, or I'll do collage elements by either gluing or pasting paper or canvas on top of canvas. So um, it's this back and forth between um, 2D drawing that's really flat and then this textured paint that comes off the surface. So um, a lot of that's just about like, um, like finding where that dissonance is and like bringing attention to it kind of in a sense, because a lot of my work is really psychological. So it's like about these repressed like desires or fears or emotions that we don't want to show. And like human beings and ourselves are very unfinished creatures. So like the fact that I'm putting this charcoal on top of oil is like kind of like, like sim symbolic in a sense, just because it's showing on, like it's putting this canvas that looks like an unfinished drawing on a wall it takes this sort of confidence and it's also just like this really beautiful dissonance that happens because it's emphasizing the fact that we as people are very unfinished. So I want that unfinished quality of our life to be like shown on a canvas, like to be portrayed as a finished piece. Cause that's what we see when we look at each other. We see like the person as they live today and we're like, Oh, this person living today is like, a complete human but we're not yet we're, we're continually working on ourselves so I try to make paintings that mirror what we're going through that sounds really beautiful thanks <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I never knew. thought of of that but like yeah yeah I mean <laughs> I think Diane's finished but are you finished uh never <laughs> oh heck I was wrong. <laughs> girl yeah <laughs> yeah, in my paintings I also have um this thing that happens where I like deface the figures um and I, I felt I felt like I read somewhere I either read it in a textbook or somewhere that um this painter what's his name wow I can't believe I'm forgetting it right now Matisse how did I forget him Matisse <laughs> I read somewhere that he said the face monopolizes the canvas like I feel like I read that phrase I don't remember where because I've been googling it everywhere to try to quote it in my thesis but I can't find it and I'm like did I just make this up but anyway I <laughs> agree <laughs> I know right like I feel like the, the face definitely does monopolize the canvas like, like the second yeah. You put a, yeah like the second you put a face on a body like that's all anyone's gonna look at it's what they're gonna derive the meaning from she looks sad the painting's sad she looks happy the painting's happy and like to me there's just like that's so gross to me like there's such beauty <laughs> 
in the form of the body. I, I love, yes. I love how shoulders and elbows and the nooks and crannies of the actual body look. And it's like disgusting to me that if I put a face there, no one's going to look at that. They're just going to look at the face and they're going to make up this like, oh, so who is she? What's her character? Where was she born? What's her name? It's like, none of that matters. None of that matters to me. So it's like, that's a lot of the reason why a lot of my portraits don't have faces on them because I'm like, bro, that's not what you're supposed yeah. to be paying attention to. That's a cool quote. I I saw the other day some some artist, I can't remember who, they have like a, a series of collections of works where there's like a crowd of people or like like people uh, coming together. And there's always one person in the picture who's looking at the viewer. And it's just so strange because you don't really think about how much a face is like really draws a person in until you like you see the painting looking back at you. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, I think Manet, like, like Manet with an A in the Impressionist movement, like got into issues just because he would often paint people looking at the viewer. And everyone's yeah. like, bro, why are you doing this? Like, that's creepy. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. So uh, do you have any plans for um, after graduation? Do you know like what you're like, if you could pick anything to do for like money or career wise what what would you do like what are your goals in terms of after uh you're done with school yeah so um I'm always going to be working as a painter um that's always obviously going to be my goal it's something that is feasible and that's within reach for me so I'm always going to be working with that um I'll probably have like a day job maybe a part-time job or something until it picks up enough to carry on full-time but it's definitely something that I'm devoting my life to. It's something that I'm always working at. I'm always going through exhibitions, always um, painting and such like that. I'll probably just float around and be happy doing art until, I don't know, until less, last breath comes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's the best way to do it. <laughs> For sure. Yeah, definitely. So um, I guess this is a good place to wrap it up. Um, so... Uh, Jennifer, do you want to go ahead and plug all your stuff, how people can support you, uh, where they can find your artwork, things like that? Beautiful. I would love to. Um, my main thing that I use is Instagram. I'm at Jen Carmiel. So it's Jen, J-E-N dot Carmiel, C-A-R-M-I-E-L. Um, and that's pretty much primarily where I am. You can also find me on Facebook. I'm trying to get into other things like Instagram and uh, Instagram. I just said that. Ignore me. Twitter. <laughs> I'm trying to get into Twitter and YouTube probably soon. But um, as of now, um, Instagram is the best place to find me and any update, updates about my life. <laughs> cool. Um, yeah. So um, if that's all you wanted to say, uh, let me just go ahead and... If uh, you guys listening are enjoying the podcast, if you've made it this far into the episode, uh, thank you so much for listening. The uh, number one way to help us out right now is, again, if you know anybody who uh, you think would enjoy the show, any artists, any art enthusiasts, uh, go ahead and just let them know about the show because uh, it's something, something to listen to while you're working, while you're working on art or at your job or whatever, whenever you have time to listen to podcasts. Um, so yeah, I think that wraps it up. Um, yeah. thank you so much, thank Jen. You so much. <laughs> yes, thank you for coming on. We super appreciate it. Um, we're looking for other guests. So again, um, at our Instagram at Artwise Podcast, um, if you think you'd be a good fit and make a great guest, go ahead and send us a DM. We're looking for all kinds of artists. Any yeah, we kind. love talking to people. <laughs> we do. We love it. We we love to see it. 
<laughs> so yeah uh thank you guys so much for listening uh and we will see you uh next episode yeah mm-hmm. thank you so much <laughs> thank you bye everyone bye